Welcome everyone to episode 157 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Jamie Barton and Dan Club to reflect on Liverpool's 3-1 League Cup win over Leicester City. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So as they've done, I think, five times this season, now Liverpool went behind in this match. It was uh, Casey McAteer who scored for Leicester in just the third minute. And Leicester would actually lead a half-time, but Cody Gakpo quickly levelled things in the second half in the 48th minute. And then Dominic Soboslai with an absolute worldy of a goal off the bench in the 70th minute before... Just before um, stoppage time, Diogo Jota made sure of the progression for Liverpool and they're now into the round of 16. So, normally when we get our three-word match reviews at the start of the podcast, we talk about the performance generally, but we're going to have to delay that a little bit in light of the strike that Dominic Soboslai produced in front of the cops. So, I'll come to you, Jamie, your three words and your assessment of that Soboslai rocket, please. Um, I'm glad you come to me because uh, my three words are, can I swear on here? Well, then it's Dominic fucking Sabosli. Those are my three words. Uh, God, like what, what could he, it's, it's so early, obviously, in his, in his Liverpool career, but we're seeing new things every week. And to be honest, this is, this is the best yet. There is no stopping that. Just fantastic strike. And same question to you, Dan. Yeah, I'm glad Jamie didn't choose mine, to be honest. Uh, I was worried for a second there. I'll go, I've gone with what a hit, um, because it is just unstoppable. Jamie sort of alludes to it there. Like, we're seeing new elements to Dominic Sabozlai week in, week out. And a lot of it's been, it's been fascinating, really, because I won't go into too much detail, but, like, a lot of it's been down to his work rate and his endeavour and all those type of characteristics. And I kind of had him down as just a high quality football, like a technician. I expected more of what we seen last night as opposed to more of the leadership, the work rate and all that type of stuff and the pressing. So it's not a great surprise to me that he's done what he's done. But having said that, I mean, what just incredible strike. Like to get it out your feet so quickly and hit it like that. I mean, the absolute trace of bullet right in the top corner. Phenomenal. So yeah, um, incredible moment for him. But like I say, I still think that's just one of many we're going to be seeing. Yeah, already his second goal from outside the box at Anfield and uh, hopefully a few more to come, not just in his whole Liverpool career, but also this season. Um, my three words are Soboslite is him because as he sort of wheeled away to celebrate that goal, he had this kind of, um, not to use the 12-year-old football so it's a word, but he did have this aura about him as he was kind of thrusting his arms out in front of the cop and we say it all the time, certain players just have a justified arrogance. And there's something that's great to watch about that, in a way, when a player kind of earns that status and they know how good they are. Um, and already, you're kind of seeing him grow in stature. And he's only been at Liverpool, what, like, is it seventh or eighth game of the season, something like that. Um, obviously, he's appeared in all of them, started most of them. And uh, to be honest, last night was the first time I'd actually been able to, to get to Anfield in a while. And I was sort of perfectly situated um, on the cop to see, to see the sort of trajectory of the ball. Like it was, if it the goal hadn't been there, it probably would have been headed right for my face, basically. Um, and uh, it it couldn't possibly be more top corner than it was, I think. But it was actually only when I saw it back um, after the game that I realised, you know, the speed that he he'd struck it with and the power. Um, so yeah, just an absolutely unbelievable goal. And I think people saying in terms of like. 
the quality of the strike, it's up there with um, that Thiago goal against Porto, which is obviously a, a big compliment because that's that was one of the best goals we'd seen under Jurgen Klopp. But let's talk about the display as a whole then, and um, beyond just that kind of memorable moment. Liverpool obviously went behind again, Jamie, like I said. But do you think that pretty much from that moment onwards, it was very impressive as a performance from what was largely a B team? Yeah, it didn't feel like the others to me. To, they, in, in a lot of the other games, we've had to kind of ride out a difficult spell. You think of Newcastle, you think of even Bournemouth. Um, we had to ride out some really, really difficult spells. And to me, this just didn't feel like that one at all. It, it was third minute. I'm not going to say smash and grab because it was a good counter-attack and obviously it was so early in the game. It was the first kind of meaningful attack of the game. But I think their second shot was in the 82nd minute or something bonkers like that. So it, it wasn't a case of kind of really kind of weathering a storm. It was just they put together a good attack, fair play to them. I think Samikas maybe could have done better. Would obviously have to have a look at back of whether he was fouled or not. But uh, anyway, um, it didn't feel like we were kind of dominated in the same way. It just felt like once that goal went in, even before that, we, we looked kind of not threatening, but like we were in the game. Um, and it was just a matter of, of when, not if, uh, I think. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers, 29 shots for Liverpool, only four for Leicester, 10 shots on target. Possession was actually, you know, 58-42, so it's not, you know, a huge disparity there. Probably speaks to the style of football that Leicester were trying to play, but sometimes that, that caused them a few problems trying to play out from the back, definitely. Dan, what did you think of the performance? No, very, very similar to Jamie, really. Yeah, I think getting caught so early on in the game, it's... It's a little concerned, but again, I think Leicester, that's probably their first, well, it was their first sort of meaningful bit of possession, really, and, and they actually executed it quite well. They were quite clinical. I mean, you could argue all day about the Timakas moment. I think I've seen people say he should be stronger and he should sort of get back up once he realised he, he's not getting the foul and stuff, and there's an offside, there's question marks around that as well. But like I say, Leicester, they were they were precise in what they did in that moment. Um but again, normal service was resumed in Canada way. It might have been the worst thing for Leicester in a sense. I mean, that might have been their game plan throughout, sort of sit deep and soak up pressure and hit on the counter. And they managed to pull it off so, so soon in the game, of course. But there on, it was just constant barrage of pressure from Liverpool, like constant runs in behind, constant um, possession in front of the area and stuff like that, just trying to sort of find their way through. And we nearly did, of course, a couple of times. Ben Doak. Might feel like he should have done better when he gets to the bar and Cody Gakpo has one cleared off the line. Jota, from point-blank range, manages to get it through his own legs. I'm not quite sure how he does it. But, yeah, Liverpool were very much in the ascendancy. And I think, overall, as the performance goes, I think we can be relatively sort of at peace with what happened. I think Jamie references the fact that in previous games, teams have had sustained spells of pressure against us. Like, Wolves could have easily made it 2-0 a couple of weeks ago, for instance. And West Ham had their moment. Sort of the Antonio header, the Jeff header, the Bowen chance. So this was very much a, a smash and grab without the grab. It was a smash and then lose essentially. So yeah, I'm not overly concerned by what I've seen. I think there was some really you mentioned Endo, some really good performances in that as well. And I think Ben Doak is one I would like to highlight because a I think he's brilliant, and b all night long not everything came off for him. In fact, a lot didn't. But all night long, he was willing. He was coming short to get the ball. He was going to behind. He was just an option. And he, I, I love that. Someone so young 
to be constantly demanding the ball off lad senior i think it's brilliant to watch and he's got a bright bright future yeah i was watching it and you know i was saying to my mate like doke was basically free constantly on the uh the right wing for the switcher play and I was thinking to myself, you know, if that was someone with a bit more stature in the squad, that ball is kind of going to them repeatedly. And it was a bit of a shame to not see it played. And I do wonder if kind of affected his confidence a bit to kind of be stood there in so much space. But obviously, you, you've got to kind of build up that trust from your teammates, I suppose. In terms of the performance, I think that there was a few moments in the second half where Leicester kind of broke through and there was like a 2v2 or even a one-on-one at the back. But the, And there was some great last-ditch defending. I think Canate, Kwanzaa, and Bicetic all produced some big tackles at the back. But that shouldn't really disguise the fact that Liverpool could have scored five or six in this game. And to be honest, the goals they scored was, was probably some of their more difficult chances. Um, but they had that. I think there was a chance for Ben Doak. It's the underside of the bar on, on a rebound. Um, definitely should have scored. But um, it was obviously a bit of a frantic moment. And there was also the one for Gakpo where it was cleared off the line. I couldn't believe that that didn't go in. Um, and to be honest, I think I've not seen it back yet, but it looked like a blatant penalty on Doak in the first half as well. Um, like it looked like the defender just come just come through the back of him, just completely swiped his legs. But for me, for me, it was Stonewall. I didn't really understand why Moore wasn't made of it at the time. It seemed like just a certain penalty. To me. Yeah, and it was as if the referee was like, "Oh, we've got VAR, and that'll decide for me." But he just didn't have, like, I don't know if they've reached, like, a mental place where they're just, like, if they're unsure, they're like, oh, it's fine, we've got VAR, which is a bit problematic because then if they're not going to give it, then obviously the threshold's quite high to overturn and things like that, which th- that's what it kind of felt like to me because looking at it from behind, I was like, that looks like a, a stonewall penalty. And um, if you're kind of right on that one, Jamie, then I'm sure it actually was. I, like I say, I've not seen the actual full replay yet, but... um. Let's talk about some of the individual performances then. I mean, Dan's already touched on Ben Doak. But Ryan Gravenberch was making his full Anfield debut. How do you think he did, Jamie? Yeah, impressive again. I mean, I saw a stat that he... Don't read too much into this, but he's already got more assists now than he did in his entire Bayern career, which is quite fun. Um, but no, just good, good. And, and I think... Particularly in that period of the game when Gakpo uh, got the equaliser, we were playing. They were very low block at that point. And they weren't throughout the whole game, to give them some credit. But at that point, just after half-time, I think they were probably told to kind of keep it solid until the hour mark and then maybe kind of go from there. So his quick feet in in delivering that assist, I think, was was really necessary. And you saw him kind of shift it onto it. He had it on his right and he shifted it around the defender and in one motion played it into Gakpo. And that's the kind of class that I think you need to to break down um, low blocks like that. I thought even in the first half he was solid. Um, he's just big, isn't he? <laughs> Without kind of overstating it. He, he's he's so skillful with the ball, but you, you still see players just kind of bounce off him and stuff. And that that's great to see. Um, don't know too much... It's hard to see where he gets a start other than in these games. You wonder, because, again, he impressed against Lasky, impressed in this game. It's his two starts for the club. Um, but I wouldn't start him against, against Spurs on the weekend. So I think this will take time. Um, and I don't quite see who he, he begins to replace if you do see him kind of breaking into that first eleven. But at the moment, he's doing basically everything he can do. Um, you can't really fault him in terms of getting a spot in the team. 
Yeah, I think that with Gravenberch as well, he's not played consistent 90-minute football at the top level for a long time. So I think compared to McAllister and Tarpasai, who are obviously in the team from, from week one, obviously had that full preseason as well. Um, it's it's much harder for him to kind of build up that rhythm and make that case. And I do think it will be more of a long-term thing, him getting into the side. I mean, I put up a poll on Twitter the other day saying who's going to play um, more football or start more Premier League games, to be precise, between now and the end of the season, Graven Birch or Jones. And it was 75% in favour of Jones, which surprised me a bit because, you know, this is obviously a 40 million signing. Um, but I, I suppose that kind of, sorry, 35 million, I think it was, but that kind of shows that, you know, Jones is in such good form and it is going to be a big task for Gavin Bitch dislodging, but you never know what's going to happen with fitness and things like that. And I'm sure there will be, obviously, you know, chances that come in, in bigger matches for Gavin Bitch. I think at the moment, it's just a case of staying patient and, and ramping his way up to his top level. Because to be honest, I don't think we're seeing, you know, the best version of him yet. And that's quite exciting because he has obviously got a couple of assists already. I mean, that one yesterday, it's very subtle, but I don't necessarily know if, Tiago aside, any of Liverpool's midfielders last season are, are picking out that assist. Um, certainly some of the players that left. And it was just a, a moment of, of pure quality and instinct, to be honest. And um, it looked like you you look at the situation, you're like, well, how are we going to kind of pick the defence open from where we are? But Gravenberch obviously spotted it and it was a really kind of exciting glimpse, I'd say, from him. One thing that I kind of wanted more, there was a spell in the game, probably about for the 10, 15 minutes before half-time where Liverpool were, were struggling to build up from the back and they'd be kind of passing the ball between their centre-backs. And there were a lot of people grumbling in the crowd at that point because, you know, get the ball forward. The reason that they, we kind of couldn't do that was because there wasn't really a, a decent forward passing option. And that is where I thought Graven Birch would be the one to, you know, kind of make that run show for the ball because he's so good at kind of, we saw this against Laska, kind of receiving the ball and instantly turning away and all of a sudden you're on the attack. I think that's probably the biggest thing you can offer Liverpool in terms of consistently doing it in a game. So I thought that might have been an area of the game where he could kind of distinguish himself, but he was a little bit quiet in that area. So that would be the main thing I think there that he'd have to improve. But obviously, there was other players as well who needed to um, offer the defenders more of an option in that spell. Um, Dan, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Graven Birch, but also I think Wataru Endo was making his full Anfield debut as well. And he, he kind of grew into the game, didn't he? Yeah, he did end though, um, especially. I saw John Gravenberg's first. I, I was impressed, actually. I think we need to be patient with him. No, no great surprise that he was one of the first to, to come off as well, because as you touched upon there, he hasn't got the sort of the wealth of football under his belt in recent time. Like when he first made his move from Ajax, he made a lot of appearance at that, appearances at that point, but then the Bayern spell just didn't work for him at all, as we know, and it was like limited to the substitute cameos at best, really. So I think we do have to be patient with him. I think he is competing with Curtis Jones for that spot in the side, and it's Jones's shirt right now, and rightfully so, but that's not to say that Graven Birch can't give him a good run for his money, because I think sort of ability-wise, I think they're on par at a minimum. Graven Birch is just as physical, he's just as athletic, so it's going to be a really interesting battle, but the great options to have, and I'm a big fan of Ryan Gavinberg. I think it's a really smart signing. Just because of the different options he can give us and he can provide, I think it's a really good piece of business for Liverpool and will prove to be so. Um, good good outing last night for him. And the moment that you touched upon there in terms of that assist, that's a moment of, of class. Really. That's a moment of real quality. And if you're producing that on your first Anfield start, that's a, it's a good 
good base in really to leap off from, I think. Um, in terms of Endo, yeah, I think he actually, I think mean, Endo struggled for 20 minutes of that game. I'm not quite sure why, but he wasn't at it. And I've been reserved in my sort of praise or criticism of Endo because it's still so early in his career. Like I've sat in a few different shows now whereby those around me have been willing to sort of, I suppose, write him off essentially already and say he's not good enough, he's been brought in and he's just going to be a squad player, we'll barely see him and so on and so forth. But I've been a little bit like, let's give this lad time. And I must admit, after 20 minutes last night, sitting in the ground watching him, I was thinking, maybe I was in the wrong year and maybe they've sort of seen something that I missed or whatever. But like I say, I think second half in particular, but even the back end of the first half, he, he made the game his own, actually. And all the stuff that you want to see from him, his positioning was great whenever we did lose the ball. He was on winning it back and getting us back on the front foot. He was winning his tackles, he was winning his duels. So, and also... His forward passing is really impressive from there on out as well because I think he's the one who plays the ball into Sobers' line. And that's not either needle stuff, but it's not a million miles away removed from it either because there is two or three Leicester players sort of trying to block that pass into Sobers' line's feet and he, he threads it through nicely. So I was really impressed with Endo. I've made up for him as well. I think he, he probably needed that because I think he tweeted after the game or went on social media after the game so I'll, I'll always keep trying or something along those lines. So he probably feels like, and I think there's been a few comments from Klopp and him, when Klopp starts addressing a player's start to a Liverpool career, you think, OK, there's a little bit of pressure here. I'm not quite sure where it's coming from, but there is a little bit of pressure. So I think he needed that second half performance in particular because he probably felt like he hadn't made the start that he wanted to his Liverpool career. But as I say, I think generally speaking yesterday as sort of a defensive midfielder but it was a bit more than that it wasn't just an out and out six performance it was quite a progressive defensive midfielder performance and I think it was a really good one yeah there was a, a comment from Klopp before the game where he said um he's sort of so calm so polite and that might have counted against him and I thought that was really interesting because it was like maybe he's not you know strong enough a character almost to to have forced his way into the reckoning a bit more. But I definitely think there was a lot of aggression about his performance from kind of the second half album with Jesse. And it was, it was really good to see. And, and, you know, there were maybe a few fouls that he gave away, but I don't think anyone necessarily minded that because there was kind of so much bite that he was playing with. And that's kind of what we need from him mm-hmm. to a degree. We need that almost nastiness on the pitch, I think, because he, he is meant to be that kind of pure out-and-out number six within the squad. Um, another player who is kind of just coming into the team this season, but as a youngster rather than a new signing, is uh, Gerald Kwanzaa. Jamie, I'd say he impressed again last night after some decent Premier League outings as well. Do you think he's proven that he's a serious first-team option at this point? Yeah, I do. Yeah, to be honest. And and uh, I certainly wasn't alone in, in the summer in thinking that we were light defensively. And... It's a long way to go in the season. It's what game seventh game, eighth game, not entirely sure. Uh, so we kind of need to be sensible about it. But again, like I said about Gravenberg, there's not much more he could have done, really. He looks so calm, so assured on the ball. Thought his range of passing uh, last night and, and, and in other games is very, very impressive. He had one, I think, on the halfway line where he got caught a little short. I think he slipped or it went through his legs or something. But other than that, like, Leicester are no mugs, and he, he looked completely assured on the ball, completely assured in the tackle defensively. Obviously, they didn't offer too much going forward, but also 
part of that was because he was coming into midfield and pressing them when they were receiving the ball, not letting them turn uh, and not letting them kind of build those attacks to begin with. Uh, and so it's not what you want him in the team for, but he also gets a, a lovely little assist down the down the, the right hand side, uh, and that's great. And that will do his confidence even 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 better than than some of his defensive performances, maybe. So, look, there's a long way to go. He could fall apart, um, and and obviously you don't. If if he was starting against Spurs, you'd still be a little kind of, Ugh. but it wouldn't be the same as if he would like uh, if we'd seen him just come from Bristol Rovers uh, and he was straight into the team he's now got that base in the team where you see him on the team sheet and you're like yeah fair enough uh, that makes sense and, and you're kind of all in for him so yeah I mean what more could he have done really to, to start yeah I think that you know I've, I've been definitely you know pleasantly surprised by how he's done um, obviously I think he was playing in League One last season with Bristol Rovers and to kind of come in and look so comfortable and confident at Premier League level and obviously playing like good opposition in in the League Cup as well, I think bodes very well for him and the level of potential that he has. And to be honest, Liverpool are playing um, Union SG in the uh, Europa League next week at Anfield. I think that's a good chance to give him, you know, a full Europa League debut as well. Like I, I don't really see any reason not to, based on how he's played so far and. Really, I think you keep kind of, you know, giving him a little bit more responsibility, more opportunities, and you just kind of see, you know, where he's at and how, and how much he can take, I think. And uh, hopefully we get some kind of extended runs in the cup and that's just going to be, you know, really good for him to kind of get all those minutes. And it'd be interesting, obviously we're getting a lot ahead of ourselves here, but, you know, come the end of the season, is he going to be someone who's like, right, you know, he's part of the centre-back group next year as well? Or would he then be the one to maybe go out on loan to it at like a top flight team next year and how what the plan for his development is? But definitely a strong start of the season from him. Um, Dan, after the game, they made the draw for the next round. And the thing with the League Cup is because Liverpool, as a European side, I think enter in the third round. You know, they're already one win from the quarterfinals. Now we saw Man City go out to Newcastle, Tottenham are out already, Brighton are out. One of Manchester United and Newcastle will be out before the quarters as well. And Liverpool are going away to Bournemouth. I mean, it feels like it's opened up a little bit for us. No, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And in terms of sort of chances of getting through into the next round, you know, it, it's been relatively kind, I would say. And that's no disrespect to Bournemouth. And that's safe in the knowledge that I drove all the way to Bournemouth last season to watch us get beat 1 0. So I'm fully aware that's the thing. But yeah, I am. Um, I'm I'm quite comfortable with the draw. Uh, it could have been slightly kinder. The home against Bournemouth would have done. But, um, yeah, I think it has opened up nicely for us. Obviously, Newcastle play Manchester United as well in the next round, so one of them will go, which is nice. They were the finalists last season, of course. So, it has opened up well. And I think you, you touched on it there, Dave, in terms of this competition and, indeed, the FA Cup and, you know, the Europa League group stage to a certain extent provides us with the opportunity. It's not really a case of just giving lads a game for the sake of it. It's keeping lads sharp. Like Ryan Gravenberch, you're already seeing the benefits of getting Ryan Gravenberch minutes. And you don't want to sort of... You might all of a sudden need Ryan Gravenberch in the Premier League game. And if he's not played in the Carabao Cup and the Europa League and so on and so forth, then you've got to be throwing him in coal. So you're getting these lads match fit. You're getting them up to speed. You're getting them, like I say, looking sharp, looking to influence games and stuff. So it can actually serve us really well this season particularly in a season whereby Liverpool look better in second half of games anyway. 
but also the games are so long because they added time and the fact you've got five subs which I know has been around for a while but all of a sudden our five subs are of a level whereby they can actually impact and change football matches and we've seen it already like I referenced on the weekend the West Ham game West Ham defenders have been man-ragged by Mohamed Salah, Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunes for 60-70 minutes and they look over the bench and Cody Gakpo and Joe Gugliotta are coming on and they must be thinking what is happening here like, off the top of my head, there must be nine on 50 international caps between those two. And they're high-level forwards. And you're like, how is that a thing? So, I think having opportunities to give lads minutes in these cups is absolutely massive for us. And I hope we go on beyond Bournemouth and indeed in the FA Cup when that comes around as well. Because, like I say, it can really stand us in good stead for the season. I just wish, I wish, I wish, I wish it wasn't Bournemouth away. And it was home, like I say, because that is an absolute grueler of an away trip in midweek. Like, it doesn't get any worse in terms of distance. Obviously for the players, but more so for the fans. Like, that's bleak on a Tuesday or Wednesday night there. Yeah, it, would, it definitely would have been um, ideal. On the other side, was there something you wanted to say on that, Jamie? I think Dan's absolutely right about the... Um... Man United meet in Newcastle, that sort of thing. But I think also it's important to touch on the fact that the, the, a lot of the smaller teams are also facing each other. So one of Mansfield and Port Vale will be in the quarterfinals. One of Exeter or Middlesbrough will be in the quarterfinals. One of Ipswich Town or Fulham, probably Fulham, although Ipswich have been really impressive this season, will be in the quarterfinals. One of Everton and Burnley will be in the quarterfinals. Uh, and that seems kind of nailed on to, to, to happen. So I think... Absolutely, minutes in the legs is 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 uh, is super important, and it's still kind of the the main reason I think why we why we're in this competition. But I want to win it. I I, I think we like we're we're probably the favourites. I would expect. I haven't looked at, at the odds, but I would imagine we are. Same with the Europa League. Well, maybe sorry, since we're possibly Arsenal. Could be Arsenal. Could be Arsenal. Um, who who have they got? Who's their draw? I think it's quite kind. Oh no, they're away at West Ham. So. It's, it's not an easy game. It's not an easy game. Um, either way, we're we're probably kind of up there, uh, and you'd expect us, depending on what our fixtures are, to get to the final. Maybe we'll see. Anyway, my point is, let's win it. We should. Yeah, I think um, obviously people are, um, even before the season were looking at um, the possibility that this could be hopefully another two thousand and one uh, season for Liverpool. Obviously, they they weren't in the uh, competing for the Champions League, but they were in the UEFA Cup and managed to to win that in the two domestic cups. Which is, you know what, you know that should be the objective. Really, not be as ambitious as possible. Um, obviously, a long way to go before that point. But hopefully, Liverpool's team that we saw yesterday, because I imagine that's going to be pretty much the team for the the next round as well. Um, even though if it is uh, over a month away, it is strong enough to kind of get past whatever side Bournemouth put out, and then we kind of go from there. But just to finish off then, um, obviously, if we look at this huge game against Tottenham at the weekend, Dan, was there anyone last night who made a case to force their way into the team or would you be going with kind of an unchanged lineup from the win over West Ham last week? Maybe interesting question. Uh, I don't know if anyone made a strong enough case to oust anyone from that last side. Um, Curtis Jones, obviously, the only mainstay, I think I might say, from both teams. So, yeah, I think it probably remains the same as West Ham. The, the lads who are probably in the conversation for that, Gravenberg, definitely. Endo, potentially, certainly given the fact that it spurs away and they're going to pose threats, I think it's fair to say. But 
I would not be at all surprised if it was an unchanged. Oh, no, saying that, if Trent Smith might be fit again, mightn't he? If Trent's fit, he probably comes straight back in, I would say. But even Joel Matip, I mean, Canate plays the entirety of last night, doesn't he? And Joel Matip will be, I think he'll be relatively confident, given the what he did against West Ham, that he should start again. Like, And I've been one of his biggest critics, if you like, because I wasn't sure exactly what he's bringing to the table this season. But if he can produce individual performances like that, I don't think we're ever going to see John Matthew start five, six games on the bounce this season. I just don't see that as his role. But if he can carry on dropping into the side like he did there, then, then that's a perfect job for him. So, yeah, I'd be very, I'd be relatively comfortable with it being unchanged, but that's with the proviso of Trent's fit. I think he just comes in and obviously does what he does. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting with Trent, you know, is he going to come straight back into the starting lineup, especially for a game like this? Or are they going to say, you know what, Trent's on the bench maybe and then gets his first start in the Europa League ahead of Brighton? Um, to be fair, it did seem optimistic in Linders' press conference in terms of his involvement in team training and things like that. So hopefully he's in a condition to start, definitely. But yeah, over to you, Jamie. I mean, was there any changes you'd make based on last night for the weekend? No, I think that's pretty much the... Uh, I'm with Dan on that. I think maybe the only question is if Jones, in terms of a fitness thing, uh, not absolutely not in terms of a quality thing. I think he was he was impressive again last night in a, in a role that's presumably quite unfamiliar to him. Um, my only concern is if we, we know that he's had his injury troubles recently, albeit kind of freak injuries that you kind of can't predict for and can't, can't kind of base too many decisions off. But if they think that he can't do effectively three games in a week, then I said what I said about Gravenberg, maybe not starting against Spurs, but you wonder if if if, uh, if Jones isn't the one who's going to make his appearance, then why not? Why not Gravenberg at that point? Uh, so in terms of in terms of kind of quality and, and who you want on the pitch, I think good performance last night, but I think Spurs comes a bit too early and it's too big a game to kind of make too many uh, adjustments or too many risks in the starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah. And you do wonder if the, the team that played last night will again be largely the team. I mean, it was quite similar to Lask. And will it again be largely the team that plays in the Europa League on Thursday next week? You, you do wonder if there's maybe a little bit of a cup team forming at the moment, but we'll see obviously how that evolves. But yeah, we'll leave it there uh, for this podcast. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do give us a five-star review. And also, if you follow the podcast and press the notification button, it'll appear in your feed and you'll get a message every time we post a new episode. We'll be back after the weekend's game against Tottenham. But until then, take care.